0: Well, it's good to see you. Um, the holidays just came fast this year. Anybody else feel like it? Because I feel like December 1st was like the day after Thanksgiving this year, and so I just, I feel like this whole month, I'm like, hey, and then I, you know, we came in here, we had some ladies just do an amazing job decorating, and it came in this morning, just all warm and fuzzy inside. You know, it's like December snuck up on me or something. It was awesome. Well, I got a couple things I want to share with you. Uh, the first, before I get to this, um, is uh, we have raised $4,000 for the church in Africa, and you guys, that is awesome. You better clap. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. All right. I'm going to do a little jig again. You guys have been liking my dancing. So uh, I am so incredibly humbled at your generosity. Thank you for writing a new story. Uh, when I, We got a chance to drop uh, the check off this week to Erica and Maurice, and she called me, and it was just this awesome conversation because we didn't tell her the And they were just, you guys, they are humbled. They see God moving. It is so cool to see, and it hasn't even been a building yet. So, you know, they're going to they're gonna send pictures, they're going to let us know as it comes across, they'll let us know where it's at, and uh, what I even told them, is and what I'm hopeful for, is we'll actually get to know some of the names of the people, that we'll pray for their needs, that we'll actually know some of the surroundings of what we're doing, so this isn't just us putting a building in there, but we'll actually start to hear some of the things that God is doing, and they said they'd be happy to let us know as God continues to move just past a building. So, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, For those of you who don't know, just beyond the 3500, that allows us to do even some things that that we weren't sure we were going to be able to. And why Swahili needs to be uh, translated is because it's definitely a language that has a lot of people speaking it, but as you may understand, there's not a lot of people that write it, so it's a tough thing that you translate a book that's never read. So that what they have done is they've created these solar Bibles that use the sun, to power an audio version of the Swahili Bible. So $100 provides that for them. So this church now will have two, three, maybe even four or five of those Bibles that then those, they can be used so that these people can actually hear the Bible in their own language and not be hindered by the lack of ability to read it. So God is good. That's all I'm trying to tell you. It's awesome. It's awesome. We do have a Christmas Eve Eve service coming up, and I want to point this out to you and I want to give you clear expectations. Can you put that graphic right here if you have it? Christmas Eve Eve, I know some of you know the pun going around that's Christmas Adam. All right, that's what it is. And if you don't know that joke, you'll get it later. Okay, it's Christmas Adam. All right, it's Christmas Eve Eve, and uh, basically, it's it's just this. Oh, it's going to spin on me. Oh, man, it's going to get dizzy. Uh, December 23rd, which means it's the, the Eve of Eve. It's a Monday night at 7 o'clock. We're going to have a candlelight service. That's going to be a very traditional service. Uh, we'll have just like zero to three years old for nursery, and then everybody else will be in here. It's a service that we're going to keep short. But we're going to make it intentionally a little bit more, uh, I would say, liturgical, a little bit more traditional. And it's not that we're a killjoy, believe me, as the person that's not wanting to killjoy up here. But the whole goal here is to create some homage, some honor, some, some opportunity just for some memories to be made. And I we'll have look, we'll have some juice, we'll have some cider, we'll have maybe a couple cookies, all right? And we'll have some coloring pages for the kids, but just come ready to know that the series that we're in is gonna flow into this night. And everything that we're studying over the next few weeks is gonna culminate that night in just like a ten to minute talk that, that I already have almost completely written because I'm so excited for what God is gonna do to prepare us as we are reading through Luke to get to that spot. On the 23rd so make plans maybe invite some family we do it on the 23rd so that the 24th and the 25th can be set aside for family and set aside for your your need to connect and to, to make that something that you can honor with them but then we make it on the 23rd so you can come here and we can be together as a community okay awesome well now that we got all that and it's all good stuff let's talk about luke Let's talk about Luke. We're in week two. Um, today we are going to do uh, some incredible exegesis, which means some hermeneutical stuff. And if you don't know what either of those words are, basically it means this. We're going to try to explain the Bible real simply. and am going to get to the meaning. And I taught you three little things last week that I need to remind you of. If you're going to learn the Bible and you're going to read the Bible, you need to remember these. Author, audience, aim. All right. I don't know why these parentheses are there. That's my fault. But aim. So here's the thing. We recognize that Luke is the author. All right. And if you don't know much about Luke, use Google, all right, just type it in, figure some stuff out this week, all right, Luke is the doctor, he's the author of this, and we know that clearly uh, through some evidence that we talked about last week that's, it's still debatable, but it's pretty clear, and then the audience is Theophilus, that's undebatable that's like in the text it's like I have taken uh, my job to write an, uh, an account for you most excellent Theophilus and then this is the author's intended meaning which means we have to take the author we have to take the audience and they have to take the content and we have to figure out what he was trying to communicate and not take his words out of context now why that's really important is because I know some of you in here have been reading a chapter of Luke every day who is taking on that challenge and you are brave enough to raise your hand who's reading a chapter of Luke every day Raise your hand. Perfect. I am so proud of you. And if you're, if you're late, I heard somebody today go, I forgot. And I'm like, it's okay. All right, you can catch up. You can catch up. You can do it. Uh, it's just two chapters now for a week, and then you can read it. And you can read one chapter after that. And I'm telling you, at the end of that, you would arrive at Christmas Eve. We're writing the whole book or whole, basically, a gospel account of Luke. And you would arrive Christmas morning having finished this story of the kingdom coming. So if you weren't here last week or you missed that opportunity to start, don't, don't miss it now to start again. Just read two chapters a day this week. You'll be all caught up. And guess what? You'll even have a cheat sheet because today we're talking through chapter one and part of chapter two, which means it'll be really helpful for you, all right? So you'll be starting afresh. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to jump in to chapter five, chapter one, verse five, and we're going to read a large chunk of scripture today. And I hope you will pay attention. I hope you'll, I, I, you guys, this is so rich and full. Uh, it's so rich and full that I literally have two, two sides to my bulletin outline. And if you've been around here long enough, when I have two sides of a bulletin outline, you better buckle up, all right, because I normally don't have two sides to it. But if you want to look it up online, you can go to kingswaymode.com. There are a ton of references today. There's a ton of things that I won't get to that are on that that you may want to look up later. So here's chapter 1, verse 5 through 7. We're setting the, the tone Remember, Luke is explaining this to a Roman, a guy that's heard some of the stories but wants to be certain of the things he's been taught. That's important. That's who you and I are. We've experienced a Christmas before, but maybe we'll want some more certainty. And this is how he starts it. This is how he starts it. And at first, it's going to be a little confusing, but I think it's very quickly going to pick up some steam. In the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division. And Abijah, 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 there you go, Abijah, I practice that always. week, Abijah, his wife, Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aaron, both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, ooh, blamelessly, some high praise, but, ooh, they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they both we very old. Now, if you've been around the church for a little while and you read things like this, two righteous people, a couple who loved and served and obeyed God, could not have children. Your little antennae like, should just start going, wait a second, I think I've heard that before. What Luke is going to do over and over and over again. Rather than giving you just the start of the story, he's going to whet your appetite with a current display of the continual story. It's a modern story that reveals a depth to the eternal story, to the bigger picture. And so he's telling a story about Zechariah and Abiah, but he's referencing about three to five relationships in the Old Testament. Let me just give you one of those relationships. It's in Genesis chapter 17. and And he is blameless and righteous in the sight of God. And he finds something out because him and his wife are very old and they can't have kids. He finds this out though in verse 15. God also said to Abraham, as Sarah is your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarah. Her name will be, or Sariah, sorry, her name will be Sarah, and I will bless her, and surely she will give birth to a what? To a son. And I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations, and the kings of people will come from her. All of a sudden, this guy has no kids, he's old, he has no hope in his future, no hope in his lineage, and now he's being told, no, 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 your lineage will go on for nations, kingdoms. And here's his response. Abraham fell and he laughed. He fell face down and he laughed. I I just think that's awesome. Now, why did he laugh? It's right here. He fell and he said, will a son be born to a man who is 100 years old and to a woman that is 90? That's why he laughed. He's like, no way. Anybody ever seen a 90-year-old pregnant woman? That would be a sight to see from a distance. You know what I'm saying? From a good distance away that you're like, wow, that'd be probably crazy. I wouldn't want to live in that house. You know, it would just be nuts. That's just just a humble opinion. Now, here's the thing. This isn't just true for this story. This goes to their son, who ends up being Isaac. Him and his wife, they struggle to have kids. Isaac's son, Jacob, who is the son of his promise, who steals the promise... His wife and him have struggled to have kids. This is a continual part of the narrative. There's something buried in this that Luke is pulling out. that has been a part of the story for a long time. Let's pick back up in verse 11. Because we know this about Zechariah. He's a priestly man, and he's in the temple, and he's actually praying to God, and an angel comes, and he tells Zechariah what's going to happen. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense where Zechariah saw him. He started and was gripped with fear. If, if someone's never jump scared you, you don't know what fear looks like completely. Anybody ever punched somebody on accident or like crumpled into a ball on the floor? had that happen? I just feel like if someone just showed up in the midst of it, this is the ultimate jump scare. But there's actually a really cool sidebar right here. Anytime someone shows up that is of God and has a promise and a message or a prophecy, he will always start by doing one thing, and he says this: Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. sidebar because of some things that I learned about Cairo when the prophet Muhammad received his inclination he says he fell in fear but he was never comforted in his revelation and i know that's super deep for some of you that islam has that at the center but i think it's crazy that the bible every time it interacts with god says this do not fear Zachariah, your prayer has been heard. So he was praying specifically for this. Have you ever prayed specifically for something? And then you're like, wait a second, I'm going to get it. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. John is not an uncommon name, but John has literally no connection to his family. And that's the most important thing about John. Now, you and I recognize that John has the Gospel of John, and it's a very popular name now. But this is like a name that they're like, yeah, just call him that. Waymaker. Path creator. Connector. But to them, there's no lineage connection to this. So this is just going to be a total obedience to God. And Zechariah's response is very similar to Abraham's, but it's much more direct. (laughs) Zechariah says this, he asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I am an old man and my wife is, look at this, he doesn't say old. I just love that. You know, she's uh, getting along in years. She's in fact well along in years. All right. And the angel said to him, I am, oh, this is powerful. I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I think at that point he knew he messed up, just at that point. It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I have been sent to speak to you, to tell you this good news. Gospel. Gospel. I have been sent to tell you this gospel, this good news. That's what gospel means. And now you will be silent and not able to talk till this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at the appointed time time. Now, if I had to pick one thing that could happen to me that I would just absolutely torture me, I'm not going to lie, losing the ability to talk would be among the high ones. I would not choose that. Maybe my wife would, but let's not ask her, you know? Now, I always like that the Bible doesn't just record his response, but it also records his wife's response. And for some of you in here that have felt For the first time, and understanding that there is life that is growing inside of you. And have experienced those first moments. I've seen it three times in my wife's eyes and in my wife's voice. It is a surreal thing. It's a surreal thing. But this is even a more surreal way because she's well along in years. And it's probably been a cry of her heart for a long, long time. This is what we find her response in 23. When his time of service was completed, he returned home, and at this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and for five months remained in seclusion. The Lord has done this for me, she said. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. See, there was this misconception that if you could not bear children, then you were cursed. You were not blessed. You were actually being punished. And so, it was not founded, nor was it something that was true, but the people around her would look at her and go, she must have done something so wrong to deserve this. And then he takes away her disgrace and shows her favor. First thought I want you to capture from the beginning of this is Luke is rolling this out and trying to help bring certainty for what this baby that is coming in just a few verses is going to mean. He's saying this, hope came from the work of God. Hope comes from the work of God. Hope came from the work of God. It was not something that Zechariah or Abraham or Isaac or Jacob could do on their own. They had no hope. They had no access to. They could not get it. They could not receive it. And so in the midst of that panic, in the midst of that frustration, in the midst of that hopelessness is when God goes to work. It's when God shows up. And in fact, a way that I like to say it even more poignantly is life revealed the work of God. Life revealed the work of God. This barren place, this dark and desolate place that had never had The opportunity to have life in it now brings forth life. It's fascinating because I I like to think about this in the sense of receiving a gift that you've waited for for eternity or a long time. I was talking with my parents over Thanksgiving break, and I don't know if your parents reminisce or if you have family members who reminisce or you reminisce with your friends about some of the best gifts that you've ever received. I think my parents' as grandparents now just look at the gift-giving opportunity to the grandkids, and they just salivate. Because now they have the resources and the opportunity, and they know they're not going to have to deal with the loud noises or picking any of it up. And so they're like, oh, let us get them something awesome. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But one of the questions they asked me was like, what was your favorite gift you ever received? And I thought about it for a little bit. I mean, w- what is it? You know, I, I want to go super spiritual at first because my dad's a preacher. Like, it's Jesus, of course, dad. You know, it's like, it's Jesus. But that's actually not where my mind went at all because I'm just not, <laughs> I wish I was that spiritual, but I'm not. So I'll give, you, I'll give you a chance here. Like, maybe just think your childhood. What was, what was the best gift you ever received? Was, that, was there ever a gift that you anticipated, excited for? I mean, this is the Christmas story, right? The red, red, red BB gun, Red Ryder BB gun moment, right? This is for you. What was that thing that built up the anticipation, the Oscar Mayer-Wiener whistle moment? What was it for you? Now someday, I'm just like, please, maybe the kids will sleep until 10. I don't know Santa was here. <laughs> For me, it was, it was a gift that I received when I was 12. Um, it was a gift that my brother and I had asked for, and we had wanted, and we didn't have a chance because of our finances being tight to get something this extravagant at once, and we wanted it so bad, and we opened every gift under the tree. We had unwrapped everything that we had, and it wasn't there. And I remember, because my soul just died a little inside. The 12-year-old part of me, you know, it was like I became an adult instantly. Like, this is life. Get used to it. It's going to be disappointing. It's going to let you down. You're not going to get what you... Like, that was the, the moment that was happening in my soul. still remember it. But then, in the corner next to the tree, there was an envelope. And because I didn't recognize that the gift that I wanted could fit in that size of a package, I had ignored it pretended that that couldn't be what I was looking for. But then, at the prodding of my father, he said, you should go and look at it, you know? And I'm like, great, okay, it's a card, you know? And and, and I pick it up, and, and sure enough, it's a note. And it says, what you're looking for is at the end of this clue. I don't remember the exact wording, but they had written out an entire labyrinth of clues. It took us over an hour. National treasure slough through our whole house. This is the parents I grew up with, all right? They knew this was a crazy gift. They knew it was something we wouldn't receive. But lo and behold, we are place to place to place searching, finding, gaining a little bit of understanding, a little bit more of anticipation, waiting and hoping that the next clue would be the final destination. And sure enough, we get to the final envelope, and it says, your prize is at the bottom of the tree. And we said, there is no way we've been running all around this house, and it's been sitting there. And sure enough, underneath the tree skirt, the center of the tree, was the Ocarina of Time Zelda video game (laughs) that I had been desperate for before YouTube that I had read literal books about waiting for us. And I remember we didn't run and plug it in right away. We turned and we talked about the journey. We talked about the clues And the things that had happened, and we we laughed about how silly we had been mad and how 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 empty we had felt and now how how excited we were that we had gotten what we didn't deserve. And that our father had taken the time to plan it all out and to bring what could have been a special gift to even a higher importance. To a greater understanding of its joy. You guys, the Gospel of Luke is this. It does not give it to you plainly, it wraps it in incredible stories and depth. It does not hold back, but holds you in waiting, in moments of anticipation and excitement. It leaves little clues that you have to go back and look and then look into. But at the end of this, you see what it gives you. And that's what we read in chapter, or in verse 63, I believe, 68, when, when Zechariah sings this song. So you read these songs that are in the first couple of chapters of Luke, and you and I just read over them. We're like, cool, those are little things that I don't understand. The story. That's what these are. These are little unfolding, little pieces. Each of these phrases and verses lead to greater understandings of the depth of the gift that Zechariah has been given and the world now has been given in John the Baptist. I don't have the time to explain every little one of these. I, I have them all referenced here to a degree. And I jumped over Mary's story. don't think I just jumped over Mary's, but I want you to finish Zacharias. We're going to come back to Mary's next week. But this is Zacharias' little treasure trove of a trail for you to follow to the gift that is John the Baptist. On the birth of his son, he proclaims and sings and prophesies, and this is what he says when he sees his son the one that he has been waiting for, that they did not have hope for, that now has life because of God. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. This is Psalms 111. Look what Psalm 111.9 says. Psalm 111.9 says, Maybe I want this. I want you to hear this. I'm going to take the time to look this up. Mm. Hey, sorry. We got a little freeze. He provided redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Zachariah is a priest who has studied the scriptures his whole life. Every single one of these verses that are going to be read have incredible quotations. He is flowing over the connecting of the dots that now his theology is flowing for who God he sees God is into who he believes God is in his heart. Who he's been told God is versus who now he sees and believes with certainty who God is. Verse 69, (laughs) I may just stay here and read it. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. This is Ezekiel you go and read Ezekiel 29, 11. you can go and read that. I'm not going to read it now. He has said through his holy prophets long ago, salvation from our enemies and from all, the hand of all who hate us, Psalm 106, David, to show mercy to our ancestors, to remember his holy covenant, Malachi said, and to rescue us from the hand of his enemies, that is Genesis 22, to enable us to serve him without fear, Zephaniah. In holiness and righteousness before him all of his days. And you, my child, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare the way for him. To give his people the knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of his sins. Malachi 3. Because the tender mercy of God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven. Malachi 4. To shine on us like living in the darkness and the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the paths of peace. This is Isaiah 9, 2. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. Those living in the land of darkness, a light has dawned. It's like his mind holding this child, but connecting the pieces of the story. And I can only imagine that Theophilus is reading this and he's going, oh my goodness. I have heard these things, I've been told these things, but I didn't realize it came like this. I didn't realize that that's, that's what John was doing. He was preparing a way. I didn't realize it was such a spectacular gift. New life and new hope are the first sparks of the kingdom to come. New life and new hope are the first sparks of this kingdom that's to come. This is the rumbling of the ground the laying of the path that's going in new life, new hope, a way is coming. A man is coming that is John the Baptist that will point to another that will bring new life and new hope. And he has sprung himself from a loom, a womb that was barren and a people that were hopeless. And he himself will carry a message to the nations of the same. Barren is our heart. Barren is our ability to bring life out of the brokenness that we are in. Hopeless are we without a Savior, a King. This Christmas, where you see barren things in your life, you speak life with the work of God into it. Where you see hopelessness, And sorrow, things that you could not fix. You speak the word of God and you speak the work of God into it. And you say, that's where the sparks of the new kingdom start. These are the situations that God works. That God does his best work. That's the kingdom. that's coming anew. That's the kingdom that John the Baptist is preparing us for. And isn't it brilliant that Luke just didn't sit us down and go, John the Baptist came from Abraham's lineage and he was righteous before God and he prepared the way. But he took the time, put together the picture in a powerful way be able to tell you and I what looks dead and what looks hopeless can be alive and will be brought back to life with the hope of Jesus Christ. That's what Christmas is all about. Pray with me.